uh, I think God may have something to do uh, with all of this, and it's fantastic. So um, we are blessed, and um, I know Pastor Shane, he's driving right now. Hey, Pastor. Um, he said he was going to be watching live, so I kind of feel like I'm a little pressure to make sure that, you know, it's like, got you, bro, you know, like uh, just making sure that uh, we're good. But <clears throat> as was stated, we are in the... Uh, can you just... Okay, if you don't know that the Spirit of God is in this room after that worship, you're not looking for him at all, okay? I'm just saying, I, <laughs> I was telling Crystal, you know, I could pretty much blow it and everybody walked out blessed, right? Yeah, I mean, that's the reality because God is here. We know God is in the, in the midst of us, among us, and wants to speak to us. And um, I want to be faithful to that. I want the Lord to speak. I want to get myself out of the way and allow God to speak, which means what I may have prepared is only my broken attempt at looking forward to what I think God was trying to do and trying to communicate. You won't know that. I will know that. But we'll just pray um, that it goes well. I'm seeing a couple deer in headlights uh, looks, but that's okay. That's all right. Don't worry. I'm supposed to be here. Um, this is all planned. Okay. This is all. <laughs> thank you, Quinn. Yeah. Um, thank you, Lord. So we're in our third week of immeasurably more, the immeasurably more series. Our anchor verse is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him, him being who? God, right? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power. Whose power? Yours? What you bring to the table? No, according to his power that is at work within us, that as it work within us, sometimes, most of the time, or all the time, all the time. He's always working, even in this moment. But can I, I just have to get this out of the way. Um, God doesn't have more for us. I mean, that might offend you, but God really doesn't have more for us. <laughs> he has immeasurably more for us. I scared some people. I know it right now. I, I, I can, don't worry, Pastor Shane. That's, that's okay. You can get off the side of the road right now, right? I know some people started to sweat. Oh, what's he saying? Right? No, God has immeasurably more than, than, can I tell you this right now? That means that the more that you see right now, is not it. Because when it's immeasurable, what does that mean? You don't know the beginning from the end. It's the same way that God says, you don't know the east from the west. Can you just imagine for a moment, immeasurably more? And it has everything to do with what he is going to do in you and not what you bring to the table. Why would you not get on board with this God? I mean, I mean, come on. Oh man, come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hey, I've been out of practice. I've been out of the pulpit for a few months. So can you give me, can you give me a little bit of grace? Okay. Can you give me a little bit of grace? Cause I got a lot to give. No, no, I, I, I'm topped out at a certain time limit. So, so thank you. That's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Okay. 
Thank you, Lord. We began this series with kind of admitting that we've all fallen victim to thinking that we need to be more religious or do better to receive an experience that immeasurably more. It's our human nature almost. It's like we often don't feel we deserve something until we think we deserve something. And so when the Lord says, I want to give you immeasurably more, it's hard for us not to go, okay, well, then I better, then I better live like this so that the result of this life will then be immeasurably more. And I will have then felt approved and accepted to receive the immeasurably more. Come on, does that resonate with anyone, right? That, that is the reality. And that's how we started. That's how Pastor Shane started it. We all fall victim to that. We can't help it. We, we want to deserve. We want to do it right so that we can get a reward. Then we started at the realization that our eye, our spiritual eye, might not be seen exactly as it should. We all need an eye coach, Right? We all need an eye coach. Or some of us may be walking around with glasses on and thinking that they're very clear and helping you see, yet to find out <laughs> that it's just a piece of plastic. <laughs> last week, I don't know about you, if you, if you weren't here last week or you haven't heard the message from last week, the hope, oh my goodness, uh, I, I, the hope of our calling, do yourself a favor and, and listen to that because I don't know about you, but there was something, you know, you've read the you know, Bible a lot and have a lot of interaction with, you know, the Christian Christianity and, and church and all that kind of stuff. I don't know why it didn't occur to me that hope was not part of the fruits of the spirit. I mean, I walked out of here going, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. Like, I, how, did, how did I not know that hope was established at the cross? Not anything that I had to work for. Oh my goodness. I could probably just preach that one again. Hope was something that was established at the cross that we don't need to work up to it. Well, this morning, we're going to continue through Paul's exhortation, right? We're pulling three items out of his prayer, he's praying for us. And it starts in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter one. I'll have some on the screen, some not, so just bear with me. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, I wanna stop there for a second so we understand who Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to a church. Paul is writing to believers. And so he is saying, ever since I, I heard about your faith, so he knows the people he's writing to are people that know Jesus, have a desire to follow Jesus and understand that he died and he rose again and he's the savior, right? So that is who this letter is going to. It's a lot different than hearing it going to unbelievers and it makes it a different context. But no, when we read this, it's you, you. It's actually Paul I call him super Christian because he's amazing. Paul writing to us and he says, for this reason, ever since I heard of your, your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I'm telling you right now, that's heart church. We could just say that, right? Come on. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom 
and revelation so that you may know him better. See, even if we stopped right there, there's a lot, there's a lot of meat there, but the reality is, is he's saying, listen, I know you know Jesus. I know you believe in Jesus. I know you worship Jesus. What I'm praying for you for is that you will receive wisdom and revelation so that you will know even more about Jesus, that you will be able to explore the wonder who is Jesus. Because what Paul is understanding is, hey, just getting saved is really, okay, hold on. I don't want to downplay that, okay? That, because that is the most important decision you'll ever make. But once you're on this side, that's a poor way of illustrating that. My, eternal life in heaven is just the cherry on top, right? Hear this, when you get to heaven, being wholly accepted and known and loved is something that will just come natural. It's not anything you will have to fight in. When you have to now in this day and age, walk through this life and you have to know out of everything you've seen, out of all you've done and the mistakes that you've made to know and realize that you're accepted and approved and Jesus has said yes to you, despite knowing what you did yesterday and despite knowing what you're gonna do tomorrow. See, the wonder of who Jesus is, is us being able to realize from here to here that that is true. See, the wonder of knowing that now the wonder of knowing that now and how that comes out of your life to other people, that is what Jesus is talking. That's what Paul is trying to get us to understand. Once you get to heaven, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. Accepted, loved, heaven, cool, thanks, awesome, in. Right? You don't have to fight that. Once you enter those doors, there is no in you that has to fight that reality. Today, tomorrow, we have to fight it. Oh, because I know me. I know me. I know what I think and hear of myself. And I don't think I'm alone. Oh, because we could put on a good, we could put on a good show, right? We could put on a good show. Literally, we can walk into that door every week and put on an awesome show and really try to be authentic about it. I'm not saying we're all a bunch of liars. I'm not saying that, but we could put on a good show. Oh, but what if it was true? What if it was authentic? What if it was legitimate? See, Paul is wanting us to be enlightened and opened up to this is the Jesus that you said yes to. This is the Jesus that hung on the cross for you. This is the Jesus. So I pray that you begin to see this in wisdom and revelation. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which has he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. This week, we are talking about the riches of his glorious inheritance. Isn't it interesting that Paul's not trying to point out that there is an inheritance? Did you catch that? What he's trying to point out is the riches of the inheritance. 
Because what he's doing is he's assuming you already know. Did you know that, that you have an inheritance? When you said yes to Jesus, Romans 8, Paul again says, we have become a daughter and a son of God, which makes us an heir. We are a beneficiary to kingdom currency. Oh, come on. Yeah, see, kingdom kingdom currency, oh, that doesn't end. See, that's where we can then connect immeasurably more in kingdom currency. Oh, because that never ends. You can't stop that. Oh, and we're in it. Oh, this morning, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, there is one point. The moment we said yes to Jesus, the Bible says that our eyes can now comprehend spiritual things. So there's a level of our eyes that have been opened. What happens though, is that we put on the wrong glasses sometimes. Sometimes the filter by which we see life, by which we see people, by which we see this world sometimes is skewed off. And so what Paul is trying to do is, man, I'm asking that you enlighten. I'm asking God to enlighten it by wisdom and revelation. Why wisdom and revelation? Why, why, can't, why can't God just deposit into you a knowledge of the thing that Paul is praying for? Why does it have to come through wisdom and revelation? Oh, I was just, I was just talking to Danny about this. See, it's the journey that gives us the most. See, revelation, revelation is you being given sight to something you didn't see before. Wisdom is walking through the thing that you see and doing it well. So what, what Paul is praying for is that God would reveal to us that hope. And now the riches of the inheritance so that we can, in wisdom, walk that truth out well. And the process of walking that out is using muscles that if you just deposited into your brain would have never been worked. But the journey of working those things out is what God is into. But you know what? Aren't those things easy to say? It's so funny. As a preacher, it's like, I could drop some really good truth and it is so easy to say it. But then we pray and we leave and now it's time to implement that. What does it even look like to walk out to understand the riches of his inheritance, of our inheritance that he's been rightfully given to us? We're like, well, that's what you're here for. No, can I tell you right now? Listen, this is a reality. That's not what the preacher's here for. The preacher's here to tell you there is riches in inheritance and you need to find that because my journey is not yours. If you follow mine, it'll be like putting on Saul's armor and you're just like, you know, you know, thinking that you're doing it and you're not, no. It's us being open to what? There's riches in this inheritance and it's for me? Okay, okay. And then we start walking that out. Back in 2009, it was reported that a Michigan factory worker 
earning less than $10,000 a year was an unknown heir to half a million dollars. When located, an investigator some years after the benefactor's death, the worker explained that he had neither returned home nor kept in touch with his family. The investigator said this. The investigator said that there is about $40 billion in inheritances lying unclaimed in this country alone. $40 billion. We're all going home and getting on the internet, right? <laughs> right? Doing the IRS check. Hey, is there any unclaimed, right? 40 billion. Is it possible that you and I have unclaimed inheritance sitting and waiting for to be claimed, but we don't know any different? We're just like, well, the Bible says I am an heir, but doesn't that seem weird? Like he's the creator of the universe and I'm an air with him? I mean, come on. I, I mean, that sounds, okay, that sounds a little kooky. Like, why am I an heir to everything he's done? <laughs> because that's the God we serve, right? Oh, come on. Oh, man, that's good. Okay, here we go. Oh, Lord, here we go. Two things I want us to focus on. We're going to be two, two separate areas of scripture. First and foremost, I want us to concentrate on this. Our inheritance, hear me, our inheritance is first realized from being, not doing. From being, not doing. Luke chapter 10 records an interaction that Jesus had. It may be familiar to you. Jesus is hanging, over, hanging out at Martha's house, right? Mary's there. Get you caught up on the story. The reality is, here comes Jesus. He's a savior of the world. They kind of kind of know that. He's an amazing rabbi. People raised from the dead and all this other kind of stuff. He comes into your house. There is a, I don't know, temptation that you're just like, oh my gosh, I need to get things in order. I want to make sure he has everything he needs and everything like that. So Martha is out doing the stuff, right? Here, I, we're not going to get down on Martha because listen, if Martha didn't do those things, it would have been offensive to Jesus, Right? In that culture, you needed to do that. So she's just simply doing, getting stuff ready, all this other kind of stuff. But Mary, is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha, Martha's in there like stressed out. I mean, how do you feed the creator of everything, anything good. You know what I mean? It's like, he, he knows what's good and he certainly knows what's bad. So what, you know, she's in there trying to figure it out, right? And she goes, hey, Jesus, <laughs> can you tell Mary to get in here and help me? I'm trying to do these things, okay? Everybody caught up? That's what happened, I swear. You can read it, okay? I swear that's what happened. So tell her to give me a hand. That's what the scripture says. Tell her to give me a hand. Okay. Verse 41. The Lord answered Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. What did he not say? What? Yeah. <laughs> Marsha, Marsha. Jeez. Come on. I know, I know. But what he didn't give her a hard time about is the things that she was doing. He was identifying is that you are worried about many things. 
you are upset about many things, but one, oh, come on, somebody's got to hear this, but one thing is necessary. Oh, come on. This is the creator of the universe that doesn't slip his words and like try to exaggerate. He said, but only one thing is necessary. And this is the thing that he says is necessary. Mary has made the right choice and it will not be taken away from her. Now, is Jesus saying, hey, from now on, never do, only be? No. What Jesus is trying to identify is that until you, okay, hear me. Until you truly know and believe that you, please hear me. Everybody's looking? Okay. Until you and I truly know and believe that we are rightful heirs to the inheritance, we will default to doing. Does that make sense? Okay. So what Mary knew, she kind of knew, right? That she needed to know and understand what this is. Because see, when we find Mary later, Mary is doing. Mary's doing. But it's only after she understood who you are, but who I am to you. And it's as a result from that in our life. Listen, I don't know what being is going to look like for you because we do a lot of, we're good at doing because doing makes us feel comfortable. Have you ever just had to confront yourself and who you are into relation of who God is? Now, listen, that is not to convict anybody, but sometimes we need truth of who we are to get to the place to receive what he says about us. Does that make sense? So what Mary was doing in that moment was trying to understand who she was, which alone is not the inheritance, but it's the riches of the inheritance, right? It's part of our inheritance for you and I to know that, wow, Jesus thought of me on that day. And he said yes to me, even though he saw my beginnings and he saw my end, he still said yes to me. He still said I was worth it. He still said I was approved. He still said I was his kid. And as his kid, I'm an heir. And once you and I understand that we are rightful heirs, that God is looking at you and saying, that's my child. What I have is his $40 billion of currency and we never engage it. Kingdom currency, kingdom things, the reality of who God says we are, what God has done, what God is going to do and we never tap in. All we do is go on Sunday, give a hug, give a tithe, and leave. I'm not putting that on anybody. I'm just saying. But isn't there more? Why is Paul, see, why is Paul then saying, I'm hoping that your eyes will be revelation, right? So here's what I'm going to tell you. Unless you're purposely not listening, 
you have been given revelation. Okay, That's, I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough to say that. You have now been given revelation. What it is now is receiving wisdom on what you are going to do with the revelation and how to walk that thing out. Well, Pastor Michael, can you tell me how to do that? No. No. Because it's the journey we all have to take. Amen? Is it bad to be a Martha? Come on. Is it bad to be a Martha? Absolutely not. What Jesus was identifying is knowing when. In this moment, come on, you ever been, you ever been in a worship where you're just like, I feel unworthy to even stand in this moment. Wisdom is knowing, I know what I need to do right now. Because, oh, come on, Lord. Oh, Jesus. Because he's the one that says, now stand up. Yeah. Right? I mean, come on. I mean, that, that's what he says, right? Like, oh, our hearts are saying, yes, Lord, you are Lord. And he's going, yeah, and I love you, kid. Get up, let's do this. Right? Oh, man. Oh, this is good. Gosh, I've missed this. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Our inheritance is not based on our qualifications or worthiness, but on his goodness and grace. Oh, man, isn't that good news? Shoot. You know what? We could probably preach that every week and it still be a revelation to us. Right? I mean, honestly, because we go out and default to the stuff, right? I'm not worthy. Now, listen, okay, I, I feel convicted about one thing. I don't want to make it sound like, you. okay, you can't say yes to Jesus and live like hell, yeah. right? and still be like, I'm a rightful heir, because Jesus said so. Now, listen, is grace amazing? Can grace cover all? But, you, but we all instinctively know, Bible doesn't make it very clear, but we all instinctively know there has to be a line to where when I'm purposely engaging in sin, God's like, hey, no big deal, you do you. Right? So I'm not saying any for a moment that, hey, okay, there's some responsibility. If you need to know the responsibility, go look at all the letters that Paul wrote. We know that there is levels of responsibility for us to live a particular life that puts us in a place to where I'm an heir. And God's like, yes, well done, good and faithful servant. Okay. You should be happy. Pastor Shane was very not very. He made sure to give me a time limit. Yeah. So, yeah. Because according to my watch, I have four minutes left. And I have 233 slides to go through. Here we go. Come on. I want to concentrate on two things, right? The first was, let me get back to it. There we go. Our inheritance is first realized from being, not doing. We understand that? Yeah. Does it resonate? Yeah. Amen. Second and last. We are trans... Oh, gosh. Sorry. I, I, 
oh man, this is, this is just good. God is, you guys, God is good. Oh man, three minutes, here we go. We are transformed by becoming, not behaving. Right, that gave me chills because that, that felt good, right? That felt good. Oh man, come on. I'm gonna take you Luke chapter 15. Paul, nope. Jesus, oh goodness, Jesus was teaching a parable. This is what I love about Jesus. You know what's wonderful? Jesus knew who the Father was and he knew us as broken humans needed some tangible example of how the Father works. And so he would give us parables. And when he's talking about Father, we can then go, oh, that's how God operates. And so then you now have an assurance that, ooh, I have, I kind of know something about God. So here he is, Luke chapter 15. It's a familiar parable to uh, many of you, often called uh, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son, right? Get you caught up real quick. <laughs> My thing's beeping at me. Um, quick context is you, you have, uh, 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 there's two brothers in a house. There's, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to rush. Hiya, hold on, here we go. Sorry, Shane. Here we go. This is what I'm going to do. Thank you for your patience. I'm just going to read it. No. Jesus tells about a house, a father and two sons, a younger brother and an older brother. A younger brother came up to the father and said, hey, give me my part. Give me my part of my stuff and I'm going to go live my life. Father's like, okay, son, that's what you asked for. Here you go. Son takes off, squanders it, ends up in pig pen, ends up, right? Ends up, uh, you know, my, the servants are eating better than me. I'm going to go back home. He comes back home and the father is absolutely ecstatic to see him. Oh my gosh, come on, bring him in, bring him in. Let's party now that he's back. But there's another brother. Most of the time we concentrate on the prodigal, right? Which that is part of the story, but a whole other part of the story is the brother that didn't go. The brother that was in the house the whole time, being good, respecting his father, honoring his father, going to church, doing the stuff, doing his chores. He was the good brother. Yeah, then here comes screw up brother. And dad is throwing a party for the brother that squandered it all. This is where we pick it up. Verse 25. Are we caught up? Okay. Okay. Now his older son was in the field, verse 25, uh, chapter 15. Now his older son is in the field and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning, what do these things mean? Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, he's back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Oh, isn't that a sweet verse right there? Oh, the father pleading. Oh, come on. Oh, I just read that now. The father pleading for you to be a part of what he's doing. Oh, come on. Oh, that'll preach. Shoot. Oh, Lord, thank you, Lord. But he replied to his father, look, I have been slaving many, oh, see, what a little 
twerp. You know, look, I have been slaving many years for you. I have never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf. Son, ready? Come on, ready? Son and daughter. Oh gosh, this is so good. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Son, daughter, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. See, you and I have an inheritance. What we're trying to establish is the riches of that inheritance. You and I walk around in the kingdom environment. Listen, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you're in here and you've said yes to Jesus, you are a kingdom occupant. That means you operate in a kingdom environment. Whether you want to or not, you are walking around in that kingdom and available to you. Not because you're amazing, not because of how great you sing, not because of how great you do pro presenter, none of that. Not even the fact because you walked into this door this morning. Simply because you're a son and a daughter of the king. That inheritance is there and ready to be used. Until we be, listen, come on. Until we become the son and the daughter that God has called us to be, you will never be able to see nor engage the riches of that inheritance. Now, see, this this moment right now is exactly the thing I was talking about. It's very easy for me to say, become the son and daughter, right? Oh, oh, pastor, oh, you said, oh, okay, now I'm a daughter now. Okay, got it, totally get it. Thank you so much. No, no. But what you have now been given is the father has just told you everything I have is available to you. Revelation, wisdom is, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for my kids? What does that mean for my job? What does that mean for my marriage? The wisdom in walking that out is exactly the prayer that Paul is praying. I pray that your eyes are open to that revelation. It's not enough just to know about our biblical inheritance as son and daughters. We must receive the revelation and then seek God for the wisdom on how to walk that out. So many of us are stuck either being a Martha Worried that, oh man, 
worried about Jesus being happy with us. I'll see. Worried that, man, I need to make sure that he's good so that he thinks I'm good. Or we're just super obedient, super, okay, good. Y'all do this, do this, do this, but never operate in the fact that we're a son, we're just a servant. Now, should we serve God? Everybody say, yes. But what does he call you? Son, he calls you daughter. That means we get to, we get the all access pass to the kingdom. Excuse me, thank you. Right? We get the, the special lanyard. Oh, it's a daughter. Yeah, come on over. Angels are just like, ooh, the son's here. The daughters are here. But you wonder if they ever go, why don't they take advantage of, like, why don't, why don't they take advantage of the power of their father? Why, why are they feeling insecure and inadequate of their gifting? Why, why? when I, like, when you're in the throne, you're like, I know, I know what you're saying about them. I don't understand why they don't dip into the riches of the reality of what they've inherited. Oh man, I could keep going, but we're not gonna, because it's red now, so, all right, six minutes. Okay, what are the riches of your inheritance? I can tell you a few. The love that you and I need to know and believe and walk in has no end. It has no depth. It has no height. There is no border to the love that we have been given and need to walk in. There's a grace that goes before us to cover our way. There's a forgiveness. Hear me clearly. There's a, for, okay. There's a forgiveness. <laughs> There's a forgiveness that comes from the throne of God that even makes him forget. I mean, I don't know how he did that, but apparently what happened on that cross gave you and I access to, it's almost like we get to hide it. It's almost like Jesus provided us a way to absolutely not just cross it out, not just cross it out, not even erase it. You know, when you erase with a pencil, you can still like see like a little bit of it. No, 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 no. The forgiveness that he provided us was to absolutely throw it away and to replace it with a brilliant white sheet. Oh man, I could keep going. We're gonna pray. Can we stand? Can we stand please? Thank you, Lord. Oh, the riches of his inheritance is available to you and I. Oh, come on, come on. Revelation has been delivered, not by a person, but by the word of God. Please hear that, okay? Oh, don't get busy in the doing. First be and allow him to lay the, to lay the groundwork for your doing, amen? Walk around this place with pride that you're a daughter and you're a son. He's waiting for you to ask. Oh, Lord, I need to know your goodness. Oh, he wants to give it. That's the richness of his, of his inheritance. Oh, God, I need to know I'm loved. Oh, let me give it to you. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Father. Oh, Lord, thank you for pleading for us to be a part of it. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, you are so good. Father, may we take in, Lord, may the revelation, Lord, that you've given us today, would you, I'm asking a corporate blanket prayer, Lord, would you give us the wisdom to walk it out well in our lives? Whatever that looks like, Lord. Oh, let us tap into the billion dollar inheritance that never ends because it's not just more. (laughs) It's immeasurably more. Father, we give you praise this morning. Go before us, Lord, as we go into this week and may our eyes be opened to the inheritance that's before us and let us walk in it with pride because we're a son and a daughter of the King. We give you praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on.